Christmas, you have the angels and the shepherds, the star and the wise men, you have Mary and Joseph, and then you have this baby, baby Jesus in this manger. This profound and great story that's impacted so many people around the world, and yet I have to tell you a little confession for a long time. This for me was just, you know, another holiday, another excuse for some time off. It was just, to be really honest, it was some historical event that may or may not have happened that was so far away from my life that it seemed not at all relevant to me in the 21st century. But, but over time, this has changed significantly because over time I've realized that that this story that used to seem so far away is really up close, that this story really connects with me at, at my point of greatest need. I mean, we, we live in a world that's filled with broken promises and brokenness, and to be honest with you, I long for just so much more for, than that. I, 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 I long ultimately for something that's trustworthy, something that I can count on, and as I've ultimately discovered, I've, I long for what this story ultimately presents, a God that loves us like that. But I have to be honest, it's, um, it's hard to believe in this kind of story. It's hard to believe in this kind of God in a world like we live in, right? I mean, the world we live in is just insane. It's just often crazy. It's dominated by hatred and fear and conflict and uncertainty and despair. And as I've gotten older and older and maybe a little bit more thoughtful, I've discovered that that my greatest need is to know that what we experience in this world with its disappointments isn't all there is, that this isn't the only option we've got. I, my greatest need is to know the, the love and the life that I long for internally, and I need to know it's more than just a fairy tale. Well, though, it, it was a huge surprise to me. It, it really was when I ultimately found this discovery. I've, I've found that Christmas is where my hope becomes real. I found that in this story that I used to celebrate, used to know, used to love the gifts I got, but was disconnected from, it's this story of Christmas where I finally found what I had so long been looking for. And you know what that was, right? It was genuine love. And that might surprise you, but you need to know that's really the point of Christmas. Though for years I didn't see it, Christmas... Well, it's a, it's a love story. It's what it is. It's a love story. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. And so with all the things we do with it, we need to remember, it is a love story. So, of course, it's what we really need. Because think about our lives. Think about what we long for. That can sound trite and mystical and far away. It can sound cliche and cheap. But all of the great literature in this world focuses on the longing for a love beyond what we've experienced or the disappointment of not finding that love. Uh, all of the great music in the world, really the great music, focuses on these, these longings for love that are beyond our experience or on the disappointment that we experience for, for the love that we have experienced. And just so you know, in country music, it's just playing it all backwards. That's kind of <laughs> how that works. But, but love is this essential longing in our lives. And, 
Christmas is the great love story we're longing for. And it's the love story we're longing for because it's a story of, of promises made by a loving God and promises fulfilled by that loving God, even in difficult times, even when times were tough, because Christmas doesn't pretend that Mary and Joseph had a, a wonderful time of it. I mean, here were these people who tried to live lives of character and purity and do what was right, and then God said he was going to show them favor, and, and she gets pregnant with a child conceived by the Holy Spirit, but no one bought it. Joseph didn't buy it until an angel showed up and smacked him, you know, and said, dude, you know, you know Mary, she's, she's telling you the truth. And so he was in, but no one else in the world bought it, and so they were rejected and betrayed and isolated for doing right, for being honored by God. They lost everything they were looking for in this world, and isn't that a lot what this world is like, a world of fear and doubt and paralysis and despair, but... But in the midst of this story, though they had been rejected by so many, they experienced the beautifully fulfilled lives that God had prepared for them. They experienced God's favor. They experienced his love. In the unfolding of the Christmas story, God showed his love always by being trustworthy, by, by being someone who was worthy of trust. And that's really love. I mean, when you really know the Christmas story, you realize it didn't start when, when the angel announced it to Mary. It didn't start with, with a manger and a star and shepherds. This was a story that God had planned from the beginning of time. This was the story he had always planned. In fact, you might not know this, but 700 years before this experience that we're looking at now happened, before Jesus walked on this planet... God announced his plan, saying that, look it, I know you're living in a world that seems it's without God and so without hope, but I'm telling you, you're not without God, and there's coming a time when I'm going to come, and I'm going to be with you, and I am going to save you and bring light into this world. There's coming a time, and you'll know it happens when something that can't happen without God happens when a, when a virgin gives birth to a baby. Look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14 proven to be centuries before Jesus was born. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin, which doesn't happen, will be with child and will give birth to a son, and you'll call him Emmanuel, God with us. He promised a savior, and in Christmas, he fulfilled his promise. That's what the story's about. It's about God doing what he said he was going to do, which is what love does. Look at Luke 1, 30 and a couple verses beyond. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You, you found favor with God. You'll be with child and give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua, Savior, this Messiah that was prophesied. And, and everything sounds pretty normal about that until Mary asks the angel this question. How's this going to happen since I'm a virgin? This kind of thing doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. Unless there's a God who makes a promise and who you can trust to fulfill his promise. And here's Christmas, if I could just boil it down to something meaningful for us. God promised a savior. And he fulfilled his promise because, and this is the important part, the part that so impacted me, because that's what love does. It doesn't just make promises. It 
it keeps promises. And isn't that what we're longing for in this world? It's what I'm longing for. And so here's the truth that God reveals at Christmas. And I, look, at, I think we miss it a lot because we've done a lot of strange things with Christmas, haven't we? I mean, we, we celebrate Christmas with all kinds of interesting traditions. And, and some of you put a pickle on a Christmas tree and give out extra gifts if you find it. I mean, a pickle. Where in the crud did that come from, right? <laughs> and, and some of us do other things. There's nothing wrong with a pickle on your tree. Eat it if you want. I don't really care. But, the, but that's not the point of Christmas. We've lost the point in the way we celebrate. We've lost the point in our traditions. And the point is a simple truth that changed my life and can change yours. True love isn't what we experience in this world when people make promises and betray them, when people disappoint us, when people claim to love us but only love themselves. No, true love is trustworthy. You can trust it. You can count on it. It's always there. It doesn't disappoint. That's true love, and that's Christmas. And this is who God is. 1 John 4, 16 says that God is love. You want to know what love is? Look at God. I mean, he is the demonstration, the definition of love. And, and what does the Bible tell us about God? A lot of things. But look at this one passage, 2 Samuel 7, verse 28. Oh, sovereign Lord, you're God, you're God. And so what is this God like? Your words are trustworthy. And you have promised these good things to your servant. And you fulfilled them because... God is love, and true love is trustworthy. And so 1 John 4, 16 continues, God is love, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. Why? Because God is love, and true love is trustworthy. In him we find everything we're looking for. In all of our great literature, in all of our great music, the thing we're longing for and we don't find, guess what? It's available, it's there, it's found at the center of the Christmas story. It's the God who loves like that. Being trustworthy is essential to having what we all really long for, you know, genuine, enduring, fulfilling, intimate love relationships. It's, it's because trustworthiness is so often missing from our relationships that our relationships are so often fractured and broken, they fail. The lack of trustworthiness is broken promises is why our world is so messed up. It's why we're so messed up. It's why disappointment seems to reign. But in God, the, the God who loved us so much that he came on that first Christmas, you know, announced by angels and put in the manger, prophesied 700 years before and all that. But in God, that God, all that we've experienced in this world changes. In God, we can experience a whole different world. See, Jesus said it. He said, I've come to give you life and life in all of its fullness. Sounds like a promise to me, right? Sounds like another one of those promises that are so cliche and so easy to say, but so unreal. Another one of those promises that it's easy to stay away from because it's too much risk to trust it, just like a, another steak oil salesman is, is just selling us a good line to get, to get in our wallets or to get into our lives, to just disappoint us one more time. I've come to give you life and life to the full. That's what it sounds like to me. But, but with God, it's something different because God isn't like other people. God is... Love and God is trustworthy. And when Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full, he meant it. We can trust his promise because he's trustworthy. Now that's a story that can change our lives. And so what I thought we should do, if we're really going to experience worship, truly experience it around this idea of Jesus' birth, then we should draw some 
poignant applications to our life from the story beyond the pickle and beyond the other traditions we have. We should draw some lessons so that when we're sitting around the tree and eating the pickle or opening the presents, whatever we're doing, that we can actually experience the life change. It's the midnight one, so that's why I'm going nuts with the pickle. But anyway, here's the thing. <laughs> I, I think we need to draw from this story that which can change our lives because this is a story that can change our lives, don't you think? And so let me just give you a couple of important applications, life-changing ones for me. The first is, is simple. While people are not perfect, and they will break our trust and do and have and will again, God is perfect and will never break our trust, ever. Ever. Relationships with people come with some risk. You should have heard what my wife's parents told her before she married me. I mean, they talk, the risk was pretty big in their view. But all of human relationships come with risk because people aren't perfect, even the best of them. But, but with God, listen, there's no risk. Because God is love and God is trustworthy. When God makes a promise, he fulfills that promise. Now that is life-changing. And I know it's hard to believe. And a lot of people are really skeptical. And I get it. I'm a cynic by nature as well. But, but the problem isn't with God. It, the problem is with our experiences. We don't feel like it's true that he's not risky. Because every time we've taken a risk to love, we've been hurt. Because we... We've taken a risk with people who are flawed and make mistakes, and we shouldn't stop taking that risk. That's important, but guess what? It's going to hurt, but with God, it's totally different. He's nothing like us. I mean, the Bible makes this clear. Look at James 3.2. It tells the truth about us. We all stumble in many ways. If, if anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. That's none of us. What a joke, but God isn't like this. 2 Samuel 22.31, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the law is flawless. Christmas is life-changing because it reveals in God we have something that we don't have in one another. I mean, we have great things in relationships with other people. They're important. Nothing more valuable to me than my wife and my kids and the relationships we have with their friends that I've had for a lifetime. Nothing more valuable than that. But guess what? They're flawed. Those are still imperfect things. I still can't totally trust, and they can't totally trust me. But with God, we can always trust. There's no risk. This is what I was longing for, a place where I could go with confidence, a place where I could never feel insecure again, which leads me to the second application that I think is life-changing. It was for me. When we have a relationship with God, even in difficult times like Mary and Joseph had, even when it, everyone else is rejecting us and everything seems to be going wrong, when we have a relationship with God, we never have to fear. Never. I mean, look at how the Bible says it in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There's no fear in love, no, because... Why would we have fear when we have absolute trust, when, when the promise is going to be fulfilled, when there's no risk? We wouldn't. That's God's love. That's the love of Christmas. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment, loss, the things we experience. But the one who fears is not made perfect in love. It's so sad that we celebrate the story that says, I never have to live paralyzed by fear again, and we're still paralyzed by fear in the midst of our celebration because we're more interested in our interesting traditions than we are in the reality that this is a love story that proves that God's love can change us. We don't have to live in fear.
I mean, this, this teaches us the story that when we have a relationship with God, we never have to worry. And you know, we're defined by worry. We're, we're in the quicksand of worry. Our whole life is controlled by worry. But Philippians 4, 6, and 7 makes it clear that when you know the love of God who is trustworthy, you don't have to worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be uh, controlled by worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, by releasing to God with thanksgiving, your request to God, you'll experience the peace of God, which transcends any understanding. It doesn't make sense how Joseph and Mary could be in a place of such loss and still feel like it was a place of such beauty. It was because they had God's peace, not the world's peace, and it guarded their hearts and their minds. That's what Christ Jesus can do. And it doesn't say, by the way, don't be anxious about anything. Just ask God and he'll give you everything you need because that would be saying that, that our lack of peace is because we don't have the things we want and the things we need in this world, but those things will never give us peace. He's saying, no, when you release your request to me, you find my love and my promise to put you at peace, whatever you have or don't have. Are you celebrating Christmas, really? It's that kind of a love story. It teaches us that when we, when we really have this love relationship with God, we never have to doubt. Because how do you doubt someone that can't tell a lie? How do you doubt someone that can't break a promise? How do you doubt someone who's absolutely trustworthy? You don't. Why, why do we doubt so much? Because we only have each other. But when we have God, we have something very different. And this is where he gets most disappointed with us, to be honest. When when we claim to love him and to know his love and to see him as God and then we still are paralyzed by doubt. It's because, well, well how do you live in doubt if, if I'm really God? Doesn't make sense, you see. And he even shows us in the Bible, there was this one story where Peter, one of his early followers, was in a boat with a bunch of his friends. It was night, storm was going on. It was really a spooky deal. And I don't know, this is where I kind of get the idea that God has a sense of Homer, humor and a sense of Homer Simpson probably. But anyway, but you get the idea. And so he's in about, it's spooky night. It's a spooky night. It's Friday the 13th kind of a night. And he decides, it's tonight I'm going to walk on the water, come up to the boat and go, boop. You know, I mean, it was a weird deal going on that night. And they were freaked. And this is where I learned that Peter doesn't have a very high IQ because Peter actually says, if it's you, Jesus, he didn't know if it was Jesus. And he says, if it's you, Jesus, tell me to come out and walk in the water. What if it, look, and if I'm in the boat, I don't have a high IQ, but if I'm in the boat, I'm saying, prove you're Jesus, then tell me to get out of the boat, not, you know, call me out, prove it. That's crazy stuff. But anyway, he got out. He wasn't thinking. He was walking on water because he wasn't thinking. And that's how we should be with our faith for God. We shouldn't be thinking because our thinking is rooted in disappointment and our thinking is rooted in the temporary, but God is not rooted in those things. He's bigger than that. He can actually make us walk on water. He can actually have a baby born through a virgin. He can actually have angels talk down. And I'm telling you, when you know that God, life changes. And so Peter's not thinking. And then all of a sudden he starts doing what we do. He started thinking. And guess what he started doing? He started doubting because when we base our life on our thoughts, we can't do anything but doubt. And he started to sink and immediately, Lord, save me. And look what he said in Matthew 14, 31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you have a little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? You've been telling me that you think I'm God. You've been telling me that you've you believe I'm the creator of this world. and You walked on water, for goodness sake, and then you sank. Why did you doubt? That's what Christmas does for me. It helps me to realize there's a place I can go where I don't have to live in doubt. 
Because he's not limited by my thinking and my abilities or yours. This story is life-changing, and I learn when I have a love relationship with God, I never have to lose hope. And I tell you, it's easy to lose hope in this world. Give me a break. There are a ton of young people here, and I'm so glad you're here, but I'm, if I'm reading the news and I'm in your generation and I'm looking what's going on in this world, it's, kind of, it's like, what's going to be my future? What's this thing? What are the losses in this thing? And I get it, and I feel the same way. Despair can just rule me, but guess what? That's based upon what I can do and you can do and others can do. That's based upon the disappointments of this world, but that's not based upon what Christmas teaches us. There's a God who's bigger than that, who can tell us what he's going to do 700 years before he does it, and if he tells us he's going to do it, he does it because God is love and he's trustworthy, and we never, no matter what's going on, even if we're a little pregnant girl that's tried to do our best and we're rejected by everyone and we're lost is the name that we experience, and even our son gets killed and we don't understand it all. Even then we don't have to lose hope because God is love and trustworthy. First Thessalonians 4.13 says, Brothers, we, do, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who die or to grieve like the rest of man. It doesn't say we shouldn't grieve and we shouldn't feel lost. It says we don't want you to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. See, the great thing about knowing God isn't that we won't experience disappointment and grief and loss and all these things that... It simply means we won't have to do it without hope. Despair won't be our ruler. Christmas has changed me because it's the great love story I long for. It's true in this world, there are a lot of reasons to fear and to worry and to doubt and to lose hope, but when we experience God's love, it all changes. And so the real question comes down to this. Have, have you experienced this love? It's great that you celebrate it. It's great that you talk about it. I'm glad you care enough to be here at a at a service that takes us past midnight. I'm, I'm so grateful for that, but let me just tell you something. None of that means anything if you don't experience the transformation that comes with knowing this love. This is what you're looking for, whether you believe it or not. This is what you're longing for. And know this, we don't deserve this kind of love. Though God's never failed us, every single one of us has failed him big time. We all stumble and fall in many ways. I've already read that verse, but the good news of Christmas is that Jesus came so that our failures wouldn't have to be our final epitaph. He died for our sins, and I know that sounds weird, but the wages of our sin is death because when you walk away from God, you're walking away from the source of life. Death is the only thing left. And so Jesus came and he lived this perfect life which we failed to live, and then he died in our place on that cross and he rose to give us new life, and because of his love, we, we, can, we can have what we so desperately need a relationship with God. And this is why he came on that first Christmas. But to have that relationship, it's interesting. We have to do something that you have to do in every relationship. We have to trust him. Because you know there's no relationship without trust. You know that, right? You can have a person who loves you as perfectly and profoundly as any person can and never experience intimacy or impact of that love if you don't trust them. They'll long to give you that love. They'll long to share it with you. They'll long to do that, but you will never experience it because you'll hold them at arm's length because you can't trust them. You can't start a relationship without trust. You can't continue a relationship without trust, and you can't experience the power of intimacy that comes without trust. You can exist with people without it, but you can't have intimacy without it. And this is where many of us are. We, 
We're proclaiming a love that we don't experience because we are incapable of trusting. We would rather do the rituals of religion and follow the rules and barter with God to give us what we're looking for rather than trust him because we've learned that trust is a risky business and it just brings us more pain. But the truth is, God isn't like the person who betrayed you or hurt you. God is different. The Christmas story proves when he makes a promise, he keeps it. And all you have to do is trust him. And when you do... Your life changes. That's when the light goes on. and That's when hope comes alive. And that's when fear starts to dissipate. And that's when doubt starts to go away. And that's why anxiety starts, stops controlling you because you're finally experiencing that love. And all you have to do is trust him. John 1.12 says it. But as many as received him, to those who put their trust in his name, believed him, he gives them the right to become children of God. There's only one reason we're not walking with God and experiencing God and knowing his love. And that reason is trust. And this is your moment. Before we start worshiping again, before we go further into this experience, this is your moment to trust him. And so I'm gonna ask you if you just bow with me in a moment of prayer. Just honor the moment, wherever you're at. And I'm just going to encourage you, if you're already a believer, to talk to him about where you're at in your trust and your walk. But if you've never experienced him, I can't pray you in, but I'm going to pray and I'm going to encourage you to take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Talk to God, just in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I, I long for the love that you have for me. I long to know it. And I know I don't deserve it. I, I, I've walked without you. I've left you out. I've sinned against you. I get it. But I believe that you came and died on that cross so that I could be forgiven. And I believe, God, that you, you rose again so that I could experience a new life. And so I'm, I'm doing what feels really risky and it's really hard to do. I'm, I'm trusting you, believing that you love me and you're trustworthy, that you made the promise and you'll fulfill the promise. And so I'm trusting you. Help me to experience you and walk with you. And I'll thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.